back to Catalyst, the CLS West podcast. I am Thad Risto, and today's episode is going to be a recap on last week's message on Wednesday uh, that I gave and also Kate uh, gave. Kate talked to the middle schoolers about repentance. If you would like to uh, hear a recap about her talk, you can go ahead and actually check out our Spiritual Disciplines episode three, uh, week three. Um, where she and Mike both talk about repentance. Um, and today I'm, I will be going through what I talked about to the high schoolers um, as we went over Habakkuk 3. Now, let's jump into it. So in order to create the uh, environment, the atmosphere of what Habakkuk was about, I had to recap chapters 1 and 2 before we jumped into chapter 3, um, because there's a lot of context that goes into it. So Habakkuk is only three chapters long, so it's short. Um, Habakkuk was a minor prophet in the kingdom of Judah, the southern kingdom of Judah, um, at a time where Israel was uh, not following God. They were rebelling, and they were uh, choosing violence and idolatry over God. Now, unlike other prophets, Habakkuk, Habakkuk does not start with God telling a prophet to or revealing a vision to a prophet to tell the people a message or warning. It actually begins with the prophet Habakkuk crying out to the Lord for answers on whether or not God is good and just in times of injustice and idolatry. The Israelites at this time had forgotten the scriptures and have turned to violence and idols, like I said before. So through all of that, God has seemed to be silent and indifferent to their disobediences. But later on that in chapter 1, God answers Habakkuk and says, with a response that's not exactly what Habakkuk had in mind, the Lord reveals that he is going to allow the empire, the kingdom of Babylon, to take and conquer Israel. Of course, this was to show Habakkuk that God's rule is supreme over all other nations and kingdoms. This was to start a cycle of events where kingdoms after kingdoms would conquer one another until it leads all the way up to Jesus when he comes to conquer the greatest kingdom of all, which is the kingdom of death and of sin. And so... This is all a foreshadowing of Jesus' reign as king. So we see that Habakkuk uh, receives a word from the Lord to etch into tablets and then make clear to the people of Israel and of Babylon uh, these five woes. The woes read as a woe against aggression, a woe against covetousness, a woe against violence, a woe against drunkenness or inhumanity, and also, and lastly, idolatry. Then in chapter 3, a brief summary of that is that the, this title of this section identifies the chapter as a prayer of Habakkuk. Now, this prayer at the time was believed to be sung as worship because um, it is addressed, just like the Psalms of David, to the choir master, which... In biblical context, the choir master is not a person necessarily. It's more talking to the Lord himself. 
because the Lord is the master of choirs. He is the master of songs. So anytime you see song master or choir director, choir master in the book of Psalms, it's most likely talking about God himself. And so the main themes of this section are found in the refrain in verse 2 of chapter 3, standing in awe and remembering God's acts of power and praying for their return with mercy. The first and second stanzas, verses 1 through 16, describes the powerful and awesome manifestations of God's presence in the creation, in creation in the past, as it shows uh, God's resilience to uh, deliver his people out of turmoil, out of struggle, time and time again, no matter how many times they rebel against him. Though Habakkuk is terror-stricken, the final stanza is what I focused on that night in the talk, and it talks about Habakkuk's humility and fear of the Lord, which then turned into worship to the Lord. Habakkuk declares his willingness to endure God's judgment of his people and rejoice and trust in God's strength. Now, the final verses of the book is what we really focus in on as well, uh, verses 17 through 19. But before I jumped into those verses, I shared with the high schoolers a personal story about my wife and I. On December 29th of last year, of 2021, uh, my wife and I received news, uh, some unfortunate news that we were not going to be able to have a baby um, out of natural means. Um, and that we were going to have to do an alternative way of um, conceiving a child. And at this time, uh, we had no idea what was going to happen, but we knew that putting our trust in the Lord during this uh, suffering and grief and pain, uh, we knew that if we turned our hearts to trust in the Lord through this, that he was going to provide and he was going to... um, turn our hearts into, turn our pain and our sufferings into rejoicing and worship. And so the main idea of the night was that even in times of doubt, pain, and suffering, the right response is a heart full of worship to the Lord. I talked about how our lives today provide too many opportunities for us to be distracted by objectives or idols that the devil tries to pry in between us and our relationship with the Lord. That could be something that could be something physical, uh, like our phones or social media, or it could be something emotional, like the doubt of God's goodness, His um, His righteousness. It could be pride. It could be adultery. It could be um, self sufficiency. But the bottom line is, is that we are not meant to have independence from God in times of need. We are meant to be dependent on God through our sufferings. In Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19, we see that Habakkuk's worship revealed his human need for a savior. As broken people, we are prone to doing what is evil in our hearts, and so therefore we are broken and sinful, and we need a savior. The prophet Habakkuk finally acknowledges this in 17 through 19, that he understands the message about Babylon's coming triumph over Israel and expresses the belief that the demise of Judah is to be true. Nonetheless, he vows 
to rejoice in the Lord in spite of what may come. Even when the simplest sign of Yahweh's favor is absent like food. Verses 17 through 19 read as this. Although the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, my Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. His song and prayer ends with the revelation that even when the world may be feeling like it's crashing down around him, or for us, in whatever manner that looks like for us, God is still worthy. God is still worthy to be praised. No matter what, in our suffering and in our pain, God is still worthy to be praised. We can rejoice and take heart in the fact that Jesus Christ will make all things new in eternity with him. This whole book acts as a comforting message to God's chosen people and to us as Christians because the Lord is our comforter. I told students when I hear that word comforter, I think of the Holy Spirit's role in the Trinity, how he is our comforter. And also I thought about the, I think about the big blanket that you put on a bed called the comforter and how secure and safe you feel and cozy you feel under the embrace of that blanket. I talked about a weighted blanket that I have at home that brings me a lot of peace and brings me a lot of uh safety and security and just like that blanket god is able to be our comfort he's able to be our weighted blanket that keeps us in his hands at all times the fun fact about habakkuk is that his name in hebrew actually means to embrace so in a way the response that the prophet receives from god is comforting is like a comforting embrace or hug to his people Now, when you hug someone to comfort them, what you are saying to your friend at that moment is that you are holding on to them, that you are not letting go, and it's a reassurance for them that they are safe. The same response from God is a reassuring act of the Lord, stating that he is in control of the outcome of all things, and he is holding on to us, and everything is going to be okay no matter what happens. Our God sympathizes with our weaknesses. He is close to us even when we are far from him. He does not look down on us when we are suffering. Rather, he looks upon us with compassion and mercy. The Lord cares for us so much that he goes out of his way to help us by comforting us in times of need. Even when we were at our worst, the Almighty Lord of this grand expanse that we call the universe stepped down from glory to be like us. And after he died to wipe away our sin and assure us forgiveness, he reassures us of our eternal life with him by raising from the dead to show that even the grave and death could not contain him. Then even after all of that, he leaves and ascends to heaven and he leaves us with the Holy Spirit, our comforter who is eager to help in times of need. 
the Holy Spirit is the omnipresence of God living inside of us, which speaks even more volumes of the reassurance that God is with us in our times of pain, doubt, and suffering. Now, at the end of the talk that night, I talked about a few applications that um, were in forms of questions that I had for the students to ponder on throughout the week. So parents, if you are listening today, I would encourage you to ask these questions, ask questions like these to your students and um, disciple them uh, this weekend um, in these areas of struggle that they may be going through right now. Um, I asked them three questions. The first question, in what areas of your life are you struggling to trust and worship the Lord? In what areas of your life are you struggling to trust and worship in the Lord? The second question is, I told them to think about all the pain, struggle, and doubt that they are going through currently. And I asked them, are they themselves trying to swim and stay afloat? Or are they grabbing onto the hands of the Creator that are extended out to them for help? And finally, the last question is, how can they worship the Lord differently this week, this weekend? How, what is one different way, what is a different way that you can worship the Lord this weekend? And so that was my talk for July 6th. So yeah, that is all I have for you today in this episode. Again, if you would like to check out Kate's recap of her talk about repentance, you can go ahead and check out our Spiritual Disciplines Week 3 episode, which is where Mike and Kate both talk about repentance as a whole and what they talked about in their talks uh, on that night. So um, thanks for listening. Well, hey, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode and were able to take something away from it to apply to your daily walk with Jesus. Our hope and vision for this podcast is that it would be used as a tool and resource for further discipleship in your home. Catalyst was created to appeal to both students and their parents, so we will be releasing a couple of episodes per week filled with talks like today, deep dives into other scripture, and equipping lessons to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. If you liked our content today, be sure to follow us on Spotify. That way you are able to stay up to date with each episode. Thanks for listening, and remember, we want you to know Jesus, grow in Him, and go out to share the good news. My name is Thad Risto, and I will see you in the next one.